You know, I'm thinking differently as the pandemic advances and our stay-at-home mandate remains. At first, I felt like COVID-19 was more like an inconvenience than a life-and-death situation. My attitude changed once I accepted that the pandemic was real. I have no control over my family, my health, or my finances. Realistically, this was always the case. I had just deceived myself at times. Granted, I can help and do my part, but life as we know it is most uncertain at the moment. I have found that the internet is filled with experts who give advice and try to encourage others through this rough patch in their journey. There's a plethora of self-help books and blogs which we can consume. We have the greatest Bible teachers, preachers, and worship leaders only a click away. But the greatest source of encouragement, of hope, is found in God's Word. Nothing brings peace or perspective like a word from my good, good Father. God reminds me continually of His faithfulness, His love, and His control. Sad to say, we all seem to listen a little bit better to God in crisis. Let me quote from C.S. Lewis. In his book, The Problem of Pain, he writes this, Pain insists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. God does have our attention. You know, I have memorized hundreds of verses over the years, mostly to get a jewel, an arrowhead, a patch, or an ice cream sundae. Nevertheless, God's word was planted and is now being recalled. I have recently shared with you that memorizing verses has become more of a priority and that I have renewed interest in hiding God's word in my heart. I am finding as I meet with people that Rick Wager's words aren't that riveting. It is God's word that brings strength and hope and power. So I thought I would do some equipping today, something I have done really only one-on-one -on -one, or in a small group, but never in a message. I would like to share with you some truths to help you thrive during a pandemic, not just survive. Texts and passages to memorize. Truth, shall I say, to give you wings. But before I do, let's pray. Our Father, we gather today to worship you. But we're doing it separately again. Your love and your mercy continue to overwhelm us. We are so grateful for your care and your provision and your assignments. We thank you for your blessings, the daily strength which you give us, for the church, for our church, and for the word of God. We love coming boldly into your throne room where we can pour out our hearts. 
we continue to be conflicted. Our faith wavers and our trust in you wanes. COVID-19 has affected us all. Some are strangled by fear and hate the grip that it has on us. Some are confused as they watch their health and wealth deteriorate. We cry out to you, Lord. Increase our faith. We pray for leaders, for those working on vaccines, and for the caregivers. They are tired. They are weary. They are exhausted. We pray, Father, that you protect them and give them wisdom. We ask you to heal our land. We want it healed physically, Lord, but we also want it healed spiritually. May you use despair to draw the multitudes to you, our living water. The only thing that will quench our thirst. Protect us, Father. And give us an opportunity to be light in a dark place. We don't understand your ways, but we're trusting you. We don't understand your timing, but we are trusting you. Father, we ask you to teach us today. We pray, Father, you would open our eyes. That you would convict and comfort us with your words of life. We pray all these things. In the risen Savior's name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So to prepare for this message, I began writing down verses. Verses and passages that God uses in my life. Truths that have been critical, both in my journey and in the lives of those folks I shepherd. My initial list came to 81 verses or texts. And I felt after looking at them, it was just the tip of the iceberg. I know each teacher or pastor has their favorites. I'll be giving you mine. The verses we will cover today always get highlighted in my Bible. And I hope you will see how critical they are for your journey. You know, having daily devotions and reading God's word is important. But my hope is that you will see the importance of meditating and memorizing God's life-sustaining truths. Can I just state the obvious? We bristle at the word memory, but we all can memorize. I can't make this happen. But I will try to set you up well so that you can grow in this discipline if you wish. I also want you to know that at the end of my message, I will be giving you some resources that will help you move forward if you so desire. So why don't you pause the video right now so you can gather some note-taken stuff. All right, I hope you're ready to go. Let's dig in. What I've done with all the verses that I'm going to share today is literally try to put them into folders or help organize the verses. I thought the verse set of verses that we should look at um, 
would be focusing on the power of God's word. I figure if you understand the power and the authority of God's word, you may well take memorizing a little bit more seriously. You'll see on the screen all the texts that I'm going to be reading. And what you'll also find later on in the message is that some of our verses could fit in quite a few of the different folders or categories. But I've just done my best and put them in, in um, or, or brought them together so that you might be able to understand them best. Let's start with Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The scriptures say this, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than a two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. I guess I wanted to start off just reading a verse that shares how important God's word is. Not only is it powerful, but it, it is so practical. And as we learn it and we apply it, we'll never regret it. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, Peter writes this, Like newborn babies, you must crave spiritual milk so that you will grow into the full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Peter says this, babies cry out for milk all the time. What I want you to do is cry out for God's word. It will help you grow in your salvation. It will be able to nourish you and empower you. In Psalm 119 verse 11, the psalmist writes, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You see, by understanding what God's word has to say, it helps us stay on the right path. It helps us understand what sin is and what sin isn't. And what we'll find out is that God will bless us immensely as we listen to him and all the scriptures that we obey him. And this verse kind of um, capsulizes that thought. While we're at Psalm 119, I would like to say this. This one psalm, it's long, but it is really helpful when you are doubting how important God's word is. In just about every verse in that psalm, the psalmist talks about how wonderful God's word is. So at times in your life when you're feeling, um, maybe you don't want to memorize or you don't want to read, Pick up Psalm 119 and read through it. It will remind you how wonderful God's word is. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it the word of God, to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. God's word is critical in our lives. It teaches us what's wrong. It corrects us. It helps us um, do life well and please God uh, in every area. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus said this, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise is like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. 
or on a firm foundation. Jesus said at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, just wanted to make sure that all those who were listening understood it, that it is really wise to listen to his words. Uh, because then when the storms come and the winds come, if your house is built on a solid foundation, it will stand. Then Joshua gets some words, some great words, some advice that is so worthy of memory. In Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left. Then you'll be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything in it. Only then you will prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua was just about to enter the promised land. He had just taken over leadership from Moses. And these were his instructions. Be strong. Be courageous. Make sure you obey everything Moses gave you. In fact, study the book of instruction. Meditate on it day and night so you will prosper and succeed. What a promise for Joshua. What an amazing promise for us. The next section I have is called Reasons to Memorize or to Meditate. We just learned from Joshua 1 how important it is to meditate. But in Psalm 1, and by the way, that whole psalm is worthy to be memorized. But in verses 2 and 3, the psalmist writes this. But they, talking about the wise... Delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the river bank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. In Psalm 119, verse 15, I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. It's just critical to be able to know God's word, and to be able to meditate on it. The next section I have is called, Who's God? I think, again, it's important for us to understand uh, or to memorize key texts about God, to understand who he is, um, so that when the enemy, well, causes doubt or, or wants us to believe lies, we can use these scriptures. In Genesis chapter 1, um, God tells us that he is the creator, and it's important to know uh, and to memorize. Psalm 23, a critical psalm, one that we focused on just a few weeks back. I won't read that now, but it talks all about how wonderful our God is, who is actually our shepherd. Let's look at Psalm 86, 15. But you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy slow to get angry, 
and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. In light of the different scenarios and situations, there's going to be times when God does not look very compassionate or merciful. Um, it's good to be reminded who he is. In Jeremiah chapter 9, starting at verse 23, this is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom, or the powerful boast in their power, or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love, this Hesed love, and who brings justice and righteousness to earth, and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 14, Therefore the Lord has brought upon us the disaster he prepared. The Lord our God was right to do all these things, for we did not obey him. Daniel is sharing that the captivity which Israel was in the midst of, he got it. The Israelites weren't listening. And because of that, realistically, um, God brought disaster. God is a holy God. God is a loving God, but God is a just God. Um, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17, And remember that the Heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will reward or just you, uh, or he will judge you, excuse me, he will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time as temporary residence. In Isaiah 45, 7, I create the light and make the darkness. I send good times and bad times. I, the Lord, am the one who does these things. In Isaiah 46, verses 9 and 10, For I alone am God, and there's none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. Um, God is going to judge or reward. God is... Um, in charge of our world and our life. He sends good times and bad times. He has a plan for all that he does. And we need to trust in God and in his plan. The next section that I like to focus on, I, I would call God's grace or the three aspects of salvation or God's amazing grace where he talks about what he has saved us from. Uh, there's three sections in this, and all these verses, I think, are pretty critical. The first section is called justification, or verses which talk about um, God paying our debt for our sin. Um, ultimately, God loves us, there's no doubt, but because he's holy, he had to provide a sacrifice. And Jesus was the sacrifice who paid the debt for our sin, the payment for our sin. So all these verses focus on this aspect and so critical as you share the good news with others. In Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came to seek 
and to save those who are lost. Um, it's really important that God lets us know how much he cares for those who are outside his family. He desires that all would come to faith. In Romans chapter 3, verses 22 to 26, I use these verses all the time uh, with folks and for myself. Listen to these words as Paul writes, Romans chapter 3. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who they are. For everyone has sinned, for we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. In Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. What a key passage in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 10. Paul writes this, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things you have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. There's also John 1.12 where John writes and and says, as many as received him, they received the privilege to become a son or a daughter of God. In Titus 3.5, uh, Paul writes to a young pastor. It says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. The next part of salvation uh, is called sanctification. And realistically, these are verses that help us understand that sin no longer is our master. We do not have to submit to this part of our past life. Let's start off. Rich passage in Romans chapter 6, starting at verse 5, going to verse 11. Since we have been united with him in death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. 
And since we died with Christ, we know that we'll also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ or because of Christ. In Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 1, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. And 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. It was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose its value, but paid by the precious blood of Jesus. God wants to remind us that we have a new master, a wonderful master, a loving master. And every time that we, well, listen to the master of sin, we die. We're separated from God. We lose power. We don't experience abundant living. So critical to understand we don't have to serve the master of sin. And then the next section, which is an amazing section, really, it's just talking about glorification. It's talking, there's some key verses that remind us that someday we will be freed from the presence of sin. And that will be when Jesus comes back for us in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Paul writes this, As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And now, Paul writes, the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all those who eagerly look forward to his appearing. In Philippians 3, starting at verse 20, the Apostle Paul, who is in prison, writes this, For we are his citizens, excuse me, but we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power which he will bring everything under his control. You know, probably the key verse that shows all three aspects of salvation. Salvation from the um, debt of sin, salvation from the power of sin, and salvation from the presence of sin is found in Titus 2, 11 through 14. Let me read it for you. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. 
He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. Aren't these verses good? They're rich, so worthy to be memorized. Let's go into our next section. I call this section Wisdom or Truths for the Journey. How to keep moving, how to keep functioning, uh, and experiencing joy no matter what the situation or scenario is. I'm going to start off with 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Paul writes this, Don't you realize that in a race everybody runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. We do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Paul also writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. It says, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. Paul is saying that this life is going to require some discipline. We can be slothful, we can be unintentional, and kind of exist. Or we can take the journey seriously. And we can, in this case, memorize. Make sure that we have God's word planted in our life. And uh, it will help us. It will benefit us in this life and in the lives to come. The next section is what I would call um, Know the Deuteronomy Directives. Perhaps you haven't spent much time in the book of Deuteronomy, but it's one of my favorite. It's uh, Moses' last sermon, and he shares and pours his heart out to the children of Israel. And there are some key verses throughout this whole book. Um, and I thought, again, uh, we would need to focus on them. They're critical in our journey, in our walk. Let's start with Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 9. Now, before we start right here, just want to remind you that this would be called the Shema or the Shema. Um, it's something that a Orthodox Jew would pray when he first gets up in the morning and before they go to bed. This was a critical text to the Israelites. But let's read it. It's going to be critical for us too. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road when you are going to bed and when you're getting up, tie them on your hands, wear them on your forehead as reminders, write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What an amazing encouragement to memorize, to be able to repeat 
over and over again God's amazing truths, mostly because we forget them. But this was what Moses shared with the children of Israel before they were to go into their promised land. In uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 6, Moses writes, So obey the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. Chapter 10, verses 12 and 13 and verse 20. I love this text because um, God just spells it out for you. And, and for me, sometimes I'm a little slow. I, I need this. So chapter 10, verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? He requires only that you fear the Lord your God and live in a way that pleases him and love him and serve him with all of your heart and soul. And you must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. You must fear the Lord your God and worship him and cling to him. I love the picture of clinging to our God. In chapter 11, verse 22, be careful to obey all the commands I'm giving you. Show love to the Lord your God by walking in his ways and holding tightly to them. In chapter 12, verse 28, be careful to obey all the commands so that all will go well with you and your children after you because you'll be doing what is good and pleasing to the Lord your God. In chapter 13, verse 4, what a text. Listen to this. Serve only the Lord your God, and fear him alone. Obey his commands, listen to his voice, and cling to him. Next section I'd like to cover um, would be wisdom truths for the journey. It's a time, really, encouragement to, to grow in your relationships. If you've been around Crosspoint for a while, You've heard me talk often that a healthy believer grows in three kinds of relationships. He grows in his relationship, an up relationship with God. He grows in a in relationship with those who are part of the church, those who are inside the walls of the church. And he also or she also grows in an out relationship. Those who are outside our walls, those who are not yet redeemed. Um, but a healthy believer will grow in all three of these relationships. So it's important to uh, learn verses that help you focus on, the, on this activity. So the up growing uh, or growing in your up relationship is where we'll start first. In Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39, um, most people call this the great commandment. But this is what Jesus said. You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. We are to love God, spend time with God, to um, serve God because of our love. Another time Jesus spoke, and most of us would call this the great invitation, it came in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. 
Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you, who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden I give you is light. Jesus wants us to come to him, wants us to do life together, wants to be yoked up with us. In Psalm 1611, a beautiful text, you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. In John 15, one of the last words that Jesus shared with his disciples, he talked about himself being a vine and the disciples being branches. This whole chapter is worthy to be memorized, but especially verses 1 to 8, where Jesus literally says, hey, you got to stay connected to me. And if you don't, um, you are going to wither. If you do, if you abide in me, you are going to bear fruit. Wow, what a promise. The next section we have is the growing in your in relationships. At times it's working with other believers. It's discipling them. It's helping them grow in their relationship with God and uh, helping them teach others to do the same thing. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 1, Paul writes to Timothy, My dear son, be strong in the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, the author gives us a strict warning. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Just recently, we spent some time in the one another's. The scripture is filled with admonitions and encouragement to bless one another. There's a ton of them that you could learn, and uh, it, it would be worthy of memory. But the last part in this section is growing in your out relationships. We're going to start with the Great Commission in Matthew 28, starting in verses 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, as you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 and 29, So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why Paul says, I work hard and struggle depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. In 1 Peter chapter 3, 
The, the fisherman writes, And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. What a privilege. The next section that I, that I have is called Growing in Your Faith. Um, a lot of growing in your faith is, is being able to take baby steps, is be able to understand what God's Word has to say, and then to be able to trust Him in spite of the circumstances. The first section in growing in your faith is all about inspiration. It's all about encouragement. It's all about spurring one another on. And I'm going to start in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, a verse that uh, just pumps my tires and, and should pump yours. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And we know that God causes everything. Everything that happens in my life. Well, I love when Habakkuk writes at the end of his book, Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 through 19, um, he, he writes, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vine, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. Now I'm going to stop here. It, it, this is not a good time for Habakkuk. This is something, hey, there's not a lot going well. All of my livestock and crops, they have failed. But listen to what he says. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. In spite of circumstances, Habakkuk says with great vigor, I'm going to rejoice. I will find my joy in my God, the God of my salvation. He is the one who gives me strength. And then Psalm 34, starting in verse 15. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. He will erase their memory from the earth. And the Lord hears his people when they call out to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. What a promise. In Psalm 121, again, worthy of the whole psalm to be memorized. The psalmist writes this, where do I get my help? <laughs> my help comes from you, God. You are the one who helps me. In Jeremiah 17, verse 8, But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and their confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Isaiah writes in chapter 40, starting in verse 28, Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, 
the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. You know, as we look at growing in our faith and comfort, I think one of the key verses that I use so often is found in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Give all your worries, uh, give all your worries and cares, give all your worries and cares to God. Not some of them, not a few, but all. For He cares for you. You know, the next section I call suffering. Because times we forget that our suffering or our hard times really produce some amazing things in our life. And we really depend on God differently. We've been spending time in James, so I won't read James 1, verses 2 through 4. But I will read 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. So be truly glad. There is a wonderful joy ahead even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials or hard times will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring much praise and glory and honor on the day that Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. We're going to go through hard times. And if we remain in faith steadfast, it's going to bring great praise and glory and honor to us as God reveals himself to the whole world. The next one's a little bit harder to swallow. And it talks about God's discipline. But I think these verses are important to understand that um, God is a good dad. And if there are times we're out of line, he will discipline us and it will be perfect and good. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. In Hebrews 12, verses 5 and 6. And have you forgotten the encouraging words that God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as a child. I think it's also critical in the journey to understand that we are in a battle and that oftentimes... Um, we forget this and not understand really who our enemy is. These verses all help us focus on the battle and the enemy. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, Stay alert, Peter says, Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. 
Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. In Ephesians 6, starting at verse 10, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Our fight is not against people we can see. It's amazing how we forget this in the journey. A promise, 1 Corinthians 10.13. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way so that you can endure or you can stand firm. The next section is uh, important for us to understand that God does desire to guide us and to direct us and to encourage us on the journey. If you've been listening to the Crosspoint Huddles, uh, Nate Gardner just shared this um, on Saturday. It's found in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you what path to take. What a promise. Look at Psalm 25, 4 and 5. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. Psalm 34, excuse me, 37, 4 and 5. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust in him and he will help you. The next section is, well, about confession. It's critical that we repent often in our lives, recognize that we offend God, and when we sin, we, well, break that relationship with God. So again, we're going to look at some verses that help us understand how important it is to confess often. 1 John 1, 9, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Cleanse us from all past sins, for all unknown sins. What a promise. Proverbs 28, 9. God detests the prayer of a person who ignores the law. Psalm 24, 3-6. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies, they will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God, their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship in your presence, O God. How critical that we confess our sin to be able to enjoy our God. The next section I call Identity. And in this section, I just think it's really important 
uh, for us to understand what God thinks of us and what he's doing with us. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, whenever someone comes to faith, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. In the whole first chapter of Ephesians, Paul talks about our identity in Jesus, who we are because of, of Jesus. But I would focus especially in verses 3 to 8. They're so worthy to memorize. Our next section is called Kingdom Priorities. Now you may be a little bit puzzled on this because really what um, the verses I put in this section talk about giving. What I have realized is that um, that giving shows God where our heart really is. So I focused on that in this section. In Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21 and 33, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says this, Don't store up treasures <clears throat> here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal, store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and leaves do not, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. Um, I'm going to jump to Proverbs three nine. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. The next section I, I entitled Worry. The best couple verses on worry are found in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Paul writes this, while he's in prison, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then, if you do this, you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. Another key verse um, really is found in John 10 and talks about our assurance. Um, so many people doubt their salvation. Uh, this is, this, these words are so comforting. John 10, verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me, for my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from my Father's hand. I sometimes um, waver in my faith that God will provide for me. Philippians 4.19 gives us a promise. And this same God who takes care of me, Paul writes, will supply all, 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 all your needs 
from his glorious riches, which we have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Another critical area that um, I think we need to be reminded of, I know I do, is uh, that serving our God with all of our heart is, is really important on this journey. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Paul writes this, So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Whoa, that verse should ignite you. In Joshua 24, 15, But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Acts 1, 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the world. And in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. You know, as we go to worship, uh, Psalm 100 is amazing. The whole psalm, uh, it's a short psalm, but God talks about worship all the way through the scriptures. But this, this text is amazing. Psalm 100. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, his unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. I often find my attitude going awry, and I have found that these verses have helped me stay on task and confess often, as, be, as the case ends up being. But let me read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting at verse 12. Dear brothers and sisters, Honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. And live peaceably with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. And then in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17, Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. You know, I know it's been long. I'm going to wrap up. And I'm so glad that, that we're able to spend some time together. I think this is a unique time. And I think it's a time when we need God's word and we need truth to battle the lies every day. And that 
memorizing God's word gives us that ability to recall quickly. So the battle is raging and we do have a weapon. It's God's word. And we have the resources to stand firm. Paul writes at the end of Ephesians, Ephesians 6.13, Therefore put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing strong. Wow. You'll have a better chance of standing firm and strong if you memorize scripture. Hey, here's some some resources that I'd like to at least uh, uh, give you. I'd be happy to send you these notes. There are so many verses and you weren't, maybe you weren't able to get them all down, but if you want, I'll send them to you if you just let me know. Another thing that I've used over the years is called the uh, Navigator Scripture Memory Course or the Topical Memory System. It looks something like this and it gives you verses. Um, I put my verses on, on something like this and I'm able to flip through it and be able to memorize and then review quite easily. Another book that I've really been encouraged by is called 100 Bible Verses Everyone Should Know. There's also quite a few apps um, that, that will be help you in scripture memory. But all this to say, I, I hope your hearts are encouraged. I hope you are better equipped for the journey. Let me pray. Father, we do ask that the enemy would be thwarted. We know that when you were on this planet and, and you were led out to the wilderness to be tempted, you used scripture. We pray, Father, that in our journey, your word would become more and more normal and natural. Help us, Father, learn from you. Help us memorize these words of truth. And we will give you honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.